All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk 82. My name is Bob Akairi, and we're going to be joined by a special guest. James Madison Athletic Director Jeff Bourne is going to be joining us. So we're going to be talking about the Dukes. And we're looking forward to this conversation because obviously James Madison been just on a tear recently. Three, you know, this is their first season in the FBS. So, so far they're undefeated. I can see. Hey, seriously, have you been able to make it up? Hey, Bobby. Hey there. Oh, and I see our guest is here too. I'm going to go ahead and send him that invite as well. Great. So, Jeff Bourne, thank you for joining us. Glad to. Thanks very much for the opportunity. You know, it's been obviously a great time for James Madison right now, and it's it's a boom time at that. We just literally, oh gosh, about two hours before this, we saw that latest article in the Washington Post, a really glowing piece about the program. But the thing that caught our attention was a recent tweet of the Duke dog in front of the arena. Is that a new is that a new statue? Uh, it's a new statue and a new facility. It's been there about two years. We opened it during COVID, and it's one of the marquee facilities on our campus. Excellent. You know, one thing that made it very exciting to have you on as a guest is you've had a real long-term view on the same program. You've been the athletic director since 1999. That's something where, especially during a great amount of change, what was the state of James Madison when you arrived? I mean, it was a very healthy, uh, successful athletic program, very broad-based the student body was about half the size of what it is currently. Um, it was a, a program that, that did extremely well academically, and they were very successful uh, athletic-wise. We were at a point, though, where as we looked to grow, we knew we were going to have to uh, build the, the infrastructure more broadly than where it was. We were going to have to build new facilities and fund programs at a higher level. And um, so we've gone through substantive change over the years to get to the point to where we are today. But, you know, one of the foundational pieces, like everything else, it's, it's being able to hire the right type of people and retain them. And for the most part, we've been able to do that. And I think it's one of the real reasons that we've been able to achieve what we have today. Speaking of facilities, <clears throat> you've, uh, you've mentioned before in some different interviews about how important it was to have the infrastructure and the facilities ready so that James Madison could compete in FBS immediately when you decided to make that jump. And you've overseen several different projects to, uh, to accomplish that. How hard was it to develop that FBS level support in developing this infrastructure? Even when you hadn't officially announced the move, you were just, you know, laying the groundwork to uh, be ready to, to go when, when the time was right. Well, we've had, exceptional support from our university administration, our governing board, um, our fans, I think, have all looked for this opportunity for a long time. So, you know, that from a donor standpoint and ticketing standpoint, those are two essential keys to being able to move. And we've been able to take, uh, to take those to, a, to an FBS level very quickly. Overall, our program grew gradually. We didn't just start this in the last five years, it's something we've been working toward. I mean, the stadium was originally designed when it was, when the plans were drawn to go to 40,000. So we, we sort of began with the end in mind for the, for the most part, saying we figured that one day that, that an FBS opportunity would be here. Let's make sure that we can build a facility that can be incrementally added onto over time. 
with an established plan that puts us in a good place. And that was all started in the early to mid 2000s. And then since then, as we've organized and built our infrastructure, we've built it with FBS peers. Their ACC peers are Big Ten peers as we look at those foundational pieces like strength and conditioning, sports medicine, nutrition, academic advising, all the support arms around a student athlete have been geared over time to to already mimic what most of the FBS schools have. You know, speaking of additions, that I remember when the spectacular addition that, you know, I know you guys broke ground in December was 2009. Gosh, it's so long ago now. But to add to Bridgeport Stadium, adding that, that two-tier structure that just made it I mean, when I saw that the first time, I'm like, how are they still at FCS? That was my thought when I first saw what you guys had built. So I assume, and it, it was clear looking at it, that you've designed that stadium for that future. And, and we, we imagine it's going to only increase in terms of popularity and demand. How did you go about planning that kind of future expansion on a stadium? I mean, designing a stadium for future expansion when you went in and, and how do you decide how much to build at a given time? Well, keep in mind, that stadium was built to house an FCS crowd that we already had the demand for, for the most part. Um, We were drawing a lot of fans playing FBS-level teams. Um, We figured that when we would move to FBS that we'd end up uh, needing to eventually add more space. And, And it's really all predicated based on demand. When we start reaching a consistent sellout level, which as we are playing and I think we'll continue to play, we'll end up being at a point where we need to look at what does that next phase of of addition look like for the stadium. We know what it looks like. It's just a matter of going back and updating the the, the architectural renderings and and capturing the new cost for it. So again, we started we started filling the stadium up as an FCS school. Um, we've been very fortunate, obviously, in this move. It's extremely well received, as we expected. And right now, I mean, it, we draw extremely well. And in order to do this long term, we know that's an important part of it. One of the questions I'm sure you'll get into, but I'll allude to it early, we want to establish really strong rivalries with teams that year in and year out, we, we travel well to their facility and they, they travel well to us. So that's an important ingredient for this alignment for football as well as all other sports. Our other co-host, J.D. Moore, has another question he wanted to ask. Yes, Jeff. Uh, first and foremost, welcome for uh, coming on board. We're super excited to have you, and we have loved talking about James Madison football. Uh, my first question that I had for you uh, specifically was about that uh, commissioned study that you guys put together in 2012 about how feasible a move up into FBS was going to be. Now that we're about 10 years out from that original plan, is there anything on that specific plan? Because I know that you had compared your peers, Appalachian State, Old Dominion, these names that you just talked about. Is there anything on that list that is still very much high on the wish list of this is the next thing we need to get built out? Honestly, we've got most of the assets that we need to be successful right now. We're all fighting this this uncertain future of exactly what the, the major landscape will look like for FBS football ultimately with regard to 
to the various lawsuits that are out there and how they will play out over time. But where we stand today, we have the resources we need to be successful. Now, that said, there are still a couple other facilities on our radar screen, like an indoor practice facility uh, that we could look at. Um, honestly, we practice in the stadium. Our locker rooms are right off the end of the stadium. Our coaches' offices and meeting rooms are right there at the stadium. So other than just having a covered facility uh, in, in times of rain, um, I, I'm not sure what we get. We're, we're not playing now past the first of the year the way we used to in FCS football where we had a need maybe for, um, you know, winter conditions. So we're, we're in a good place. We, we certainly would, would – if we could get it, it would be nice to have, but – I don't see that being essential. And right now there's still some more space. I think our football coach would say he'd like to have for his staff. And over time that can grow, but we're really in a good place. Um, we, we facility wise are just finishing another large complex in athletics that houses a lot of our other Olympic sports. So we've been very fortunate with the infrastructure and facilities here over the, the past 10 or 15 years. Jeff, we actually interviewed um, Keith Gill, the Sunbelt Commissioner, earlier this month, and he's extremely passionate about his schools and what they can accomplish. Um, one of the things he mentioned was the importance of those regional rivalries, um, obviously with uh, Old Dominion, App State, some other kind of coastal Appalachian teams near James Madison that can kind of build up those rivalries and get year after year interest. What was it about the Sunbelt Conference that made them the right fit for James Madison? Well, part of it were some of those institutions, institutions that we already had a very close alignment with and were even affiliated with at one time in FCS, and that was Old Dominion, Georgia Southern, Appalachian, Coastal Carolina. Those, Marshall being so close, those are really optimal fits for us, and they allow us to establish divisional play. And divisional play was was a huge marker for us because – We'd seen some of the struggles that the other conferences had had where schools were having to travel a long way um, and didn't have a divisional option. So when, when the, the combine, combining effects of those institutions that were interested in joining uh, met the, the divisional uh, opportunity, it really made, it made a lot of sense for us. And we really did like the fact that all the schools that we, we would be competing with were institutions like ourselves. Uh, they, they fully support, they support football along with the other sport programs, but they're also like institutions. If you were talking to our president today, he would say they're all R2 or research-based institutions. They're all publics. They, they have somewhat the same feel as James Madison. So that's, that right now is one of the underlying key factors for why we feel like this is such a good fit for us. You seem to also take that philosophy with non-conference scheduling as well. Just looking at the next couple of years that you have out, you have games against Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina. What's generally the philosophy that you take to make sure that these games, especially against Power 5 teams, uh, actually get scheduled for James Madison to play? Well, a big part of it is as they're institutions that are near us um, and where our fans can travel. And I, I, again, I'll go back. That's a very foundational piece of what we try to look at. Um, those are schools that the football team can travel to and we don't have to fly. And 
it's there's no no uh, no small cost to flying these days. I mean, to move a team by planes, roughly two hundred thousand dollars, and you can bus for a fraction of that, so you save some of the guarantee that you were able to garner by playing them. Um, there will be points in our future where we reach out and play opponents further away that will require air travel, but it will all be tied back to um, at least looking at some strategic focus of finances. Uh, we've got to be able to make sure that what we do, we do well, but we can also afford to do it year in and year out and that we don't find ourselves in a position where we, we have a particular philosophy for a year or two and then we find out that that has to change. So we try to build consistency in our program and continuity and to do that, uh, the financial piece is a large component of it. Over the years, James Madison has definitely earned a reputation of um, being a competitive game for some of these, especially these P5 programs, West Virginia, NC State. Of course, that 2010 upset of a ranked Virginia Tech um, where you used to work. Um, I'm sure you had maybe had some mixed feelings on that one. But um, in terms of like the budgeting and everything, obviously, if you want to be able to have these FBS level, P5 level um, support staff roles and things like that. How key was it finding ways to get creative to get the absolute most out of the revenue that you're bringing in as an FCS program um, before you made that move? Well, it was important. I mean, we had to be foundationally uh, secure. Uh, we had to, you know, build a reserve and operating reserve uh, in our accounts because when you go through one of these transitions, you've got you've got a period of time where you're not sharing in, in conference revenues, but but you're getting to share in all the cost of going to play. So um, you want to make sure that you're on good sound footing there. And then there are other costs that no matter how, how fine a job you might do in your planning, there are going to be things you miss and that you have to pay for. And we've had a little bit of that. Um, but I do think the fact that we were we were prudent up front, we we saved money, we looked at our budgeting structure so that we had some flexibility. When the unknown came along, we were able to afford it. Uh, it's just part of of how we operate as as an athletic program and as a university. So very consistent um, theory there with regard to how we approach growth. So this is the transition year for James Madison as a football program to FBS. What have been some of the nuances that those, especially those who are only just becoming familiar with James Madison, because, you know, the more you win, the more people are going to notice, especially in the general college football population that would typically only follow FBS football. What may they, what would they not realize is, uh, is sort of the, the rules that you, or at least the, the limits that are facing James Madison as they move forward with this particular season? Well, it's, again, I'll go back and just say it's a non-revenue sharing year out of the conference for us. So we've had to absorb that in our budget. Um, we're going to make sure our student athletes don't ever feel that. There's not anything with regard to what we do with, with students. I either travel or general well-being and support in any nature where they'll feel anything different than what they would have felt in the past. We still work diligently to make sure that their, their opportunity is optimized. Um, I think looking in from the outside, probably I'm not sure how many people realize the loyal following and the attendance level that JMU gets 
uh, at its games now and has done that consistently for a number of years. But um, we have a very loyal following of fans. Uh, there's a very strong culture on our campus for, for sports in general, but particularly for football. It's one of our marquee um, events that happens, and it's not just you know, an athletic event. It's something that our university community shares in. So it, it, it benefits our community. It benefits our institution overall. And I think the thing for us that we talk about every day is how does the branding aspect of what athletics does for the university help strengthen our overall position of JMU uh, as, a, as a major university viewed throughout the country. So was there an NCAA application process for that transition? Yes, there is, and we are still currently going through it. We'll have a site visit this fall from the NCAA committee where they'll come here and sit down with us, um, and then that application goes through its formal cycle um, in the coming year. And then, you know, it's uh, currently right now there's a two-year period of transition uh, that's that's in place for institutions um, who are who are moving from one division to another. Jeff, one of the other unique, ambitious approaches that James Madison has taken so far is playing a full FBS schedule in year one, as compared to other uh, transitioning schools who would probably do a different type of uh, scheduling. What was the reason for taking that ambitious approach in year one? Well, for one, I felt like we were to start with, we were capable and ready to play F FBS institutions. Um, we had gone through COVID. We had student athletes who were still on our roster from that. So making the scholarship jump in this year was not as much of an effort for us as it probably was for other institutions who have had to do it in the past. So that, that part became pretty much a lot easier discussion. It's a matter of finances. Obviously, you're paying for more scholarships going all the way up to 85, but that's something we felt important to do because we want our team on, on sound footing. What really made this possible was Keith Gill providing the number of FBS games to us that he did. And then we were able to go out and work with Middle Tennessee to get a game here, which gave us enough games to be considered an FBS program in year one. So... That's a very, very strong element for us and was important. You know, there's, a, there's an element right now that, that changes the entire game uh, from what it's been in the past, and that's the transfer portal and the ability to keep your players and, and have a, a squad that can play relevant games and be successful. So, you know, I see, I see the window of opportunity and the environment that we're operating under now very, very different than it was five or 10 years ago, 15 years ago for a lot of the other programs that went through it. And when you couple that with the financial and operational facility readiness that we had, I think it just puts us in a lot better place. Do you think that uh, the transfer portal and, and the extra COVID year scholarships um, eligibility are key to this 3-0 start that uh, James Madison's gotten off to in terms of kind of being able to bridge that gap of going from 63 to 85 uh, total roster scholarships? Most definitely. Uh, we had a lot of quality student athletes already on board that decided to stay another year. We were able to pick up um, 
several transfer student athletes, obviously they're extremely talented. And that's, that's put us in a position this year of, I think, greater parity. I mean, I look at programs that are in our league that have been here for a while and, and some of them we Appalachian's a good example. We use it as a benchmark all the time. We just say, gee, we, we want to be able to get in the league and be competitive the way that they've been. And uh, I think they've done a remarkable job. We've got a great game day atmosphere, well-run program. You know, to go down and witness that uh, a couple, you know, a week ago and, and see how they do that's really something special. So it's helped us, there's no doubt. And I, I think had things stayed the way they were, it would have made, it would certainly have made our journey much more difficult. So you just had, as a program, a victory that was significant at Appalachian State where it was a comeback. It was a defeat of the team that, especially after they had defeated Texas A&M on the road and, and played North Carolina so close, seemed to be the favorite and one of the, you know, one of the, the big programs in the Sun Belt. How important has that victory been and, and what has it meant for James Madison Athletics? Well, it, it helps us exposure-wise. I mean, our exposure numbers have already grown tremendously by being affiliated with uh, ESPN. And then to play a school the caliber of Appalachian, their environment um, is, is really amazing uh, for us. And it's helped. But, you know, I'd be remiss. I've, I've been doing this a long time. Tomorrow's a new day. Um, every week in this league is going to be tough and it's going to be challenging. And it's what makes this league as good as it is. You know, the old adage, you're, you're sort of dic- your strength is dictated by the strength of those that you compete against. And we've got a great group of schools that we're going to play week in and week out. And we, we will make each other better. Uh, we will beat each other up from time to time. Uh, but again, that type of league with those type of institutions really make it one of the major reasons why we wanted in in the first place. Jeff, on top of this as well, obviously football is the huge moneymaker and it's the enterprise and any athletic department that's playing FBS football. But you obviously also have a huge amount of other sports that you also uh, want to make sure that you're taking care of as well, whether that's basketball, baseball, uh, even fencing, uh, what have you. Uh, but uh, when you look at all this other kind of stuff on any other sports, uh, you know, I say fencing somewhat in jest, but uh, when you look at all these other sports during this transition, uh, what are some of the things that are being taken care of in this transition to the Sun Belt as well? Well, we've always been what I'll call an equity-based program. In other words, every one of our coaches, when they're hired, they're told, we want you to win a conference championship once every four years. We want to make sure each group of your student athletes, at least once in their career, get a chance to experience an NCAA playoff opportunity because that's an important part of the overall college experience. So that's not changed. And we still have that same bar for every one of our programs that compete. Um, we are fully scholarshiped. All other sport programs have new facilities and are given a lot of the same things. There's not a lot of drop-off when you get to one of our other sports once you walk away from the basketball and the football elements. There's some differences, but, but they're, not, they're not that major. We look to give each one of our programs a chance to succeed at a high level. 
And we, we said the same thing with the Sunbelt move. We want that to happen. Now, I'd be remiss. We have three sport programs that the Sunbelt does not sponsor that we're, we had to find alternative homes for. But as we find those homes, we want to make sure that they're in a conference where they get great exposure. They have strong competition. And basically, we don't see a letdown from where we were. So I feel good about all of our sport programs. And I think each one of them invariably in a Sunbelt can come in and within a period of three or four years be extremely competitive. Uh, and some of them will be that way right from the start. I'm glad you brought up the, the equity in all sports because obviously James Madison, for those who may not be familiar, has had a lot of success in women's sports as well. And I know as, as far as background, when you were previously at Virginia Tech, you had co-chaired a committee that worked on gender equity within the school and in the athletic program. How important has that been for your own legacy and program at large? Well, I mean, I was grounded in that early uh, with my exposure there and, and learned a lot from it, uh, at least from the theory component. And then we started, when I was at Virginia Tech in the latter years, we started adding more women's sport programs and working more diligently to provide resources across the board in all those programs. When I came to James Madison, it was already a really strong women's program. I mean... Um, the, the, the prior administration had done a great job at building uh, marquee programs. I mean, it started out as a women's college. And then in 77, moved, 1977, moved to a university. And then the president at that point in time wanted to add men's sports as a way to attract more males to our general overall undergraduate population. <clears throat> so his, his method and his theory worked extremely well. And um, over time, We've just continued to flourish across the board in a lot of these programs. You know, Jeff, you're from Salem. You went to Bridgewater nearby. You worked at Virginia Tech for a while. And, of course, you returned to become James Madison's athletic director for the past 23 years. You know the area. You clearly enjoy it. What makes James Madison such an attractive destination for student-athletes, football or otherwise? And how does that fit into the sustained success of the program? It's a great question. Um, well, I'm going to start out by saying you have to really come to Harrisonburg and be at JMU to really understand how special it is. It's difficult to do looking at it on paper or, or just hearing about it. But, but if you're here, the old adage goes, you'll get what we're talking about. Um, phenomenal people in the community, great staff, wonderful students, a perfect blend of students that are academically prepared and then still want to compete at a very high level in sports. So we have a perfect blend here, I think, with what we have. Geographically, it's one of the prettiest parts of the country there is. Um, we have the quaintness of this small town and the setting that we're in, yet we're two hours from D.C., two hours from Richmond. So and, and a little over three hours, almost four, from the beach. So we're, we're geographically set in a really uh, wonderful spot. The culture that exists here and that has grown here over time is a phenomenal thing. And, you know, I was in Boone last weekend. I felt the same type of, of vibe there that I do here. The students are incredibly engaged. 
they they love what athletics brings to the college campus as far as a, a component of student life. Um, our alumni are extremely engaged and come back. I don't know, all the things you think about. And we've been one of those institutions that, for me as the athletic director, we've always stood the opportunity to get better. There's always something new going on, new building going up, an enhancement for a program, a success story by one of our sports. It's another way that we can help showcase our institution. And all those things combined make it very hard to leave. And that's probably why I started with a lot of our folks have decided to stay. I think it's just because of, of those general factors. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. This was a really interesting 30 minutes, and, and we appreciated the time. We know it's busy over there, especially with – I mean, you guys have a game coming up with Texas State. That should be good. We're all looking forward to seeing how the Dukes do this week. So thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks so much, and really appreciate you guys having us on. It was great. Absolutely. So on behalf of all of us, my name is Bob Akairi. I was joined by co-hosts J.D. Moore and Sirius. Thank you for listening. This was RCFB Talk 82. We were talking with James Madison Athletic Director Jeff Bourne. On behalf of all of us, thanks again. Now, I'm going to hang up and listen.